Praise the Lord. No your need is, whether it's spiritual, financial, whether it's emotional, whatever your need is this morning, is sufficient for every one of our needs. Amen. If you will turn with me, if you sixteen, Luke sixteen. I'm not sure what is going in the halls of heaven, but it seems to me that God has lately been placing some of the hardest scriptures to preach in my lap. And uh, we preached uh, 1 John 3 uh, a couple of weeks ago, and some, some, of, that, some of that very complicated and uh, trying to properly understand that, and, and uh, we've tried to wade through that, trust that we, that we did that well. But scripture that, I, that God has led us to this morning is one of those parables that I think we read in the scripture we have a hard time understanding it, and we just kind of toss it out. And uh, don't understand that, we'll go on and we'll read something we do understand. And I uh, feel like God has led us to this passage. For those of you that are, are visiting with us or, or have been missing, uh, we are in the middle of a series uh, we've entitled Blessing our community, our neighbors. Uh, we are looking at how we can uh, win people for Christ, and, and we're using the word bless as an acronym. Uh, we preached, the uh, first message was on B, begin with prayer, then listen with care. And then last week was gather, and uh, this week is serve with love, and then been looking to Christ as an example and uh, his teachings and uh, the Lord will help us as we continue this journey together of learning how we might win souls for Christ. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. Luke. And to his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no, be no longer steward. And the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig to beg I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do, that when I am the steward, that they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his lord's debtors unto him, and said unto the first, How much owest thou, Lord? And he said, An hundred measures of oil, about 875 gallons. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then said he to another, he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write down four score. And the Lord, the Lord here, commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. 
For the children of this world are, are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, that ye may, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous manna, who will commit true riches? And if ye that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. And the Pharisees also, who were covered, him. Father, I thank you that you see us where we are and that you have shown us the way. And Father, we have a heart to win souls for you. We just ask that you would anoint these lips of clay that one more time we might rightly divide the word of truth. And Father, that the truth of this message would find a resting place in our hearts and that we would walk in the light of it. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. What holy man uses an evil man and sets him up as an example? Jesus does this very thing in this passage. Here Jesus is standing before uh, his disciples. Now you remember in Luke 15, this is uh, he, Jesus has been speaking to the Pharisees. He's been, that is the, the chapter that has the, the lost things, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And now Jesus has turned his attention and he's speaking directly now to his disciples, those that are following him. Those, if you will, are, that are Christians. He's speaking to us this morning. And he tells us this story of, of this wasteful steward, a, a, a rich man, a very wealthy man, and, and perhaps was not there on the property, had, had set a steward, had set a man to manage his finances. Manage this, this business for me. I, I, I'm going to live somewhere else. I've got other businesses to take care of. I'm setting you in charge. And it comes back to him, there's a report that this steward is wasting this man's wealth. He's wasting it. And the man, rich man, calls the steward in. He said, you're fired. Give an account. You've got, you've got a, a I don't, it doesn't really say how long, maybe two weeks, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's a two, couple days, I don't know. You need to get all the books together. Show me the accounts, payable and receivable. receivable. Show me what I have. You've got just a little bit of time to put this together. You're fired. This is not an opportunity for this guy to save his job. This is an opportunity for him to finish out the books, to make sure that every dollar is accountable, that it knows exactly where everything is. What a blow. What a blow. In a single day, you find out that you're going to lose your job. 
You're gonna, you don't have any money. And most likely, and from this scripture, it seems to indicate he's losing his home. He probably lives there on the estate. You're going to lose it all in just a little while. When the time's up, you lose everything. Your home, your job, and everything you've worked for. He goes home. He's probably upset. He's off. He's guilty. He knows he's guilty. He knows that he's not been faithful. He knows he hasn't done what he was supposed to do. But now he's in trouble. Now this man is a wicked man. Okay, there's, there's, in fact, Jesus calls him the unjust steward. He's a wicked man. And he cares about one thing and one thing only. Himself. He's looking out for number one. And so he says, you know what I'm going to do? And this is what, we might have a little bit of trouble here because cultures are a little different. What he does, we, we might not think too much of, but in, in that culture, what he's about to do is he's going to grease the wheels a little bit. He's going to pat some people on the back, and in that culture, if someone did you a favor, it was a shame for you not to return the favor. You never, ever, ever received a favor, but what? You returned it. If someone invited you to lunch, and they paid, Pretty soon you were going to invite them for lunch and you're going to pay. And you're going to try to keep it as equal as, as possible. It's a shame to get behind on your favors. And he's about ready to do some dealing. He's going he's gonna to wheel and deal. He's going to make himself some people who are indebted to him big time. But he goes to, he says, you know, I... I I'm white collar. Maybe he's getting older. He says, I'm not strong enough to dig. I can't do a menial job. He said, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed to beg, and I don't blame him for that. Nobody likes to ask to ask. Beg, put your cup out, shake it. So here's what he does. He goes to the first creditor. He says, how much do you owe my master? Well, a hundred measures of, of oil. Now here's how it worked. This is a farming base, an agricultural community. So debts were paid at harvest time. And so you would keep these on your books for a year, for at least. And so this is a wealthy man. 875 gallons of olive oil. He says, now tell me. He says, uh, tell me what, how much do you owe? Hundred measures. So I tell you what I want you to do. Sign this contract. You really only owe fifty. Now this steward has all the authority and all the power of his master. And when he signs this contract, there's nothing the master can do about it. He has full legal authority to do this. Do you know what that guy did that owes 100 measures of, uh, of oil? Uh, 875 you want only You only want half of that? That's a great deal. All right, sign me up. And he signs his name on the, on the dotted line real quick. 
He doesn't know that this guy is scamming his master off. He doesn't know, he doesn't know he's gonna be this guy's being fired. All he knows is he's getting a deal on his debt. As I understand it, this is about, about three years' wages for the, a worker has been written off. Can you imagine? I don't know how much you make a, in a year. You make 40000 50000 a year. 50000 we'll say. You just got a $150,000 debt written off. Not bad for a daft dude's day of talking. Not bad. He goes to the next guy. He says, how, how much do you owe? He says, well, I owe 100, uh, I owe 100 measures of wheat. He says, you know what? Why don't you just write, why don't we write off 20? Why don't we write off 20 of those? Now, as I understand it, 100 measures of wheat, taking off 20 of those, 20 of those was about three years' wages. Three years' wages. Year and a half, three years' wages between the two of these. They're, they're, they're doing really good. They're getting their money back. I mean, they're, they're saving some big on their interest. It, who, who's going to deny when the bank calls you up and says, you know, we want to write off 20% of what you owe us. Really? This is, this is a good day? A mortgage on my house, 20% off? I'll be right down to sign it. You're not going to ask questions. You're, gonna say, you're not going to say, is this your last week on the job? It's not going to enter into your head. If the bank calls you up and says, we want to write off 20% of what you owe on your house, you're going, to, you're going to be there. You'll take off from work that day to sign it. They say you've got to be in here by, by noon today. You're going, to, you're going to call into work. You're going to say, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to be in until, until uh, this afternoon. I'm not coming in today. Do you know why? Because it's worth more to miss that time of work to sign that piece of paper. These guys were getting deals. And the way Jesus is indicating in this story, he's signing a lot of deals. This is, this is just two examples. There's a lot of guys he's making deals with. He's wheeling and dealing. And his plan is this. When he's homeless and he's out of a job, and he doesn't have any money, he can say, you know, Brother Rasmussen, I wrote off $150,000 debt for you. Can you help me out? I, 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 I need, I'm a little short of cash. Do you know what Brother Rasmus is going to do if I've written off $150,000 worth of debt for him? You know, he's, you're a little short of cash? <laughs> what do you need? I, to be honest, I have a place to live. My, my master, he, he, he fired me, and it wasn't fair. It wasn't right. He just fired me without any notice. Can you believe that guy? You, you, got a, you got an extra place I can stay in? Now, mind you, the, the people he's making wheel, he's dealing with are people that are mega rich. Okay? He's not talking about guys, people at our level. We're, we're talking about the richest of the rich. When you owe debts that are 10 and 20 years wages worth, you're a rich person. These people have got extra houses laying around on their property. These people have got money they're, they're, they know how to make money, and they've got money laying around. And this guy knows it, and he's made for himself friends. Now his Lord finds out, he's, he, 
shows him the books. He looks at him. He says, what in the world? <laughs> the books show it. And what should be done? What, what should, the, what should the, his master do who's, who's just fired him? What's he supposed to do? Should he throw him in jail? That sounds good, doesn't it? Should he have him publicly beaten? That's what they in those days. If Jesus would have said he publicly beat him, we'd be like, all right, yeah, get him. What a scoundrel. What a crook. I mean, we feel bad for this, this master. At least I hope you do. This guy's been ripped off thousands and thousands of dollars. And do you know when he dies? He says, you are a wise man. Uh, Jesus, uh, I hate to interrupt this parable, but this is an embezzling crook. This is Enron. It's really, this is exactly what this is. This is Enron. This is, this is, this guy is a Bernie Madoff. This guy is, this, this guy is, is someone who has taken people for their hard-earned money. This guy is a crook. And Jesus, I, I hate to interrupt this parable to just point out, this guy doesn't deserve praise. He deserves a beating. He deserves prison time. He, des he deserves, he deserves some, he, Can we stone him? Is that in the law? Can we find a loophole? And instead, Jesus is praising him. And do you know what we do? We check out. When we're reading this parable, we check out. Because you know what? This doesn't make sense. This guy deserves a beating. This guy deserves to be publicly shamed. This picture is the picture going around Facebook. Make this viral. This guy's a crook. Don't ever hire a guy like this. And instead, his master says he's acted wisely. Wow. Now you say, preacher, I don't know where you're going with this, and I really have no clue what you're talking about with service, because we're supposed to be serving with love. I thought you were going to talk about Jesus washing the disciples' feet or healing the blind or, or doing something like that. This is not what we expected for serving our neighbors. I want you to catch what Jesus says here. There's something very important that we miss in this. We, you know what we do? We skip down to that verse where it says, you know, no man can serve two masters. And that's what we get out of it. We understand that verse. We can't serve God and, and, and mammon. And, and, and that's where we, 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 we kind of hang out in that verse. And, and that's, that's fun. But, but we miss an important thing that Jesus says here. One that I believe is so key and so fundamental that we've, and we've missed it. And we've, in fact, we've, because we've missed it partly because it goes against some of our very own natures. And it's this. Jesus says, I want you to take unrighteous mammon. I want you to take common money, something that never was supposed to be a part of this world. Before the fall, there never would have been money. There wouldn't have been any need for it. All of our needs would have been supplied. If you had something, you'd gladly share it and give it to others. There was never supposed to be a need for money. And Jesus says, I want you to take, I want you to take the stuff that God looks so down on it, he uses it for pavement, 
for his streets. He considers this worthless. He says, I want, and this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and make friends with it. Wait a minute. Jesus, hold up, hold up, hold up. Stop, 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 stop. Chapter before here in Luke, we got the parable of the lost son. The parable of the prodigal son is often what we call it, but here we go. This guy has a lot of money. You just told the story, Jesus. He took all this money to this far-off country, and he spent it on riotous living, and he spent it on all these friends and, and drinking and partying with all these people. And when he, his money ran out, he didn't have any friends. And now you're telling us to live like that prodigal? What, what are you talking about, Jesus? This isn't making sense. Do you see why we throw this, verse out of, uh, this, this parable out of our, our minds when we read it? It goes against what we just read in the previous chapter. It goes against it only in this. He's not saying, go live it up. He's not saying, go, go party with it and, 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 and do that. What he's saying is this. God has blessed you as a, you're his steward. And he's given you several things to steward. He's given you time. He's given you money. He's blessed you. In fact, I, I like uh, uh, Charles uh, shared with me, uh, and I really like this. Uh, things, uh, the resources that God gives us is life, labor, influence, finances, and expertise. These are all things that God lends us in our life. And these are all things that we can, that we are supposed to steward. These are all the things that we are supposed to use to buy friends. To buy friends. Now why? Why are we supposed to be buying friends? This, is, this, doesn't, sound like, this doesn't sound like Colin is preaching, does it? I know it isn't. Man, are we buying friends? What, whew, when's the last time you heard that from a holiness preacher? Here's why we're supposed to buy friends so that they can return, uh, receive us into eternal habitations. Here's what Jesus is saying. I want you to I want you to use your service to win souls for me so that they are waiting for you on the other side so that when you get to heaven, they are part of your welcoming committee. Wow. You know what happens? I've, I've, I'm trained in this, and, and, I, and I served as a behavioral specialist consultant. And I would work with parents who had children with behavioral disabi uh, uh, problems and disabilities. Some were oppositional defiant disorder, and some had uh, RAD, and, uh, which is reactive attachment disorder, and others with As uh, Asperger's and other... Uh, um, autism diagnosis. And, and one of the things that was interesting, and we hear it over and over and over again. Now, mind you, I'm trained. I'm the professional. I am the consultant. And I would go in and say, 
All right, this, and, and this is my job, okay? I'm, not, I'm just not be, coming in there as the know-it-all. This is my job. I've, they've contracted me to do this. The parents have contracted me to do this. They know what's going to happen. I come in, and I tell them how to get their little terror to become a well-behaved child. That's my job. Now, we didn't use that language, but I'm just trying to help us to il illustrate and help us to understand and here's what parents want to do. They want to punish, 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 punish. To get their kids to do what they want to do. We want these kids to do this, and if they don't do this, punish. And I would come along, and of course I was trying to do it as nicely as I could, but I would say to them, no, you, you can't just use punishment, you've got to use reward. When they do well, you've got to tell them, good job. You, you need to help them to uh, earn things that they want. You've got to use some positive as well as just the negative. You've got to put them together and work together. And invariably, invariably, this is what they would tell me. I want my kids to be good for the sake of being good. And you know what? We do this, okay? We, we ha this is so part of our culture, it's even in our Christmas songs. We tell our kids, be good for goodness sake. Have you ever met a child that is good for the sake of being good? I have yet to see it. Let's, let's use adult terms to help us understand. How many are going to work if I don't pay you? You're no more pay. You've got to come to work, but you're doing it out of the love and goodness of a job well done. How many are going to work tomorrow for no pay? Two of you. Good for you. Guaranteeing you. I'm guaranteeing you. That'll wear thin after a little while. The reason we go to work, now, I, 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 to be honest with you, I would go to work. I, I, I'm called to preach. I've, I've preached for no pay many, many times. In fact, when we worked at the Gospel Center, we didn't take a salary. And that didn't wear thin because we were in the service of the Lord. But, I, but we had to work other jobs to, because there's other needs. There's needs that have to be met. We go to work to get a paycheck to get, for that positive reinforcement. And when a business is going down and they say, we can't really pay you this week, you know, some of our Bible colleges that have had to withhold paychecks from teachers. When we worked at a Bible college, when I was teaching at a Bible college, that happened to us for a whole semester. We didn't get paid the whole semester. It wasn't until after, I think it was graduation day, someone donated enough money and said, here, pay the teacher something. And that was our pay for that semester. We've been there. You know what that does to morale? We were in the service of the Lord. We were, we were doing it for God and not a paycheck. But I'll tell you what it does to morale. Right down the tubes. Because we've got bills to pay and insurances and, and all the things. The, the bill collectors don't say, they don't say, oh, your job can't afford to no problem. No interest and no penalties. They don't do that. 
We work for positive reinforcement. And oftentimes, I think that when we come to church, you hear this. And not that I try to say this. I try very hard not to say this. But I think this is what we hear. Be good. Do right. Serve God for the sake of doing good. Or else there's hell. You know, we're going to threaten you with hell, then you'll your soul over hell. You know, you just straighten up, bro. I hope you never hear that from me. I hope that's not what you hear from me. Folks, I, God does not ask us to serve others or serve Him or steward what He's given us because it's going to turn out bad for us or just because He wants us to be good for the sake of being good. But he's, here He's saying there's a reward waiting for you. You're buying friends and you're going to have a welcoming committee. You're buying friends. This is a... This story is... is let, me, let me try to put it in another way. Probably everyone here, at some point or other, or currently, planned for retirement. Brother Gary, you don't know anything about that, do you? <laughs> Brother Gary, that's your job, isn't it? You help people figure out retirement. And it's, here we are. Uh, uh, we're, you, you set aside so much of what you make and, and you put it in your 401k or, or uh, in this annuity or that thing. Or you, but you're trying, and, and they tell us we need a million dollars to retire. I, I don't think I'll ever be able to retire. But the stock market is geared towards all this and, and, and all these government uh, uh, programs and government-sponsored things and, and this is how much you can put in and there's all these laws on it and retirement is a big deal, isn't it? And so... You plan, you scam, you save, you, you do everything you can, and you hurt yourself now so that you can have a good retirement. You take away your pleasures from today so that one day when you are retired, when you cannot work or don't want to work anymore, that you can be comfortable, that you can be taken care of. And we invest and we invest and we think about and we plan and we do all these things for this earthly retirement. This is what this steward's doing. He's saying, I'm fired. I'm retired. I'm too old. I'm probably not going to get another steward job. I can't dig. I can't do that. I'm not strong enough. I've worked white-collar jobs all my life. I can't do it. He said, I don't want to beg in my... No, I don't think anybody here is looking forward to re begging during retirement. Tease about living with our kids, but do we really want to live with our kids when we retire? I really don't want to live with mine. I don't want to, I don't want to have to say, you know, Dennis, uh, I raised you for 18 years. I put food on your table and I clothed you. Can you just take care of Dad in his old age? I didn't plan. I don't want to do that. I want to beg. 
So we put all this investment into this retirement. And that's wise. And it's good. I'm not preaching against that. This is what the steward is doing. He's planning for his retirement, which is happening in just a few days. <laughs> he doesn't have much time to plan for his. But here's what Jesus is trying to help us understand. He says, for the Christian, retirement doesn't happen until after that isn't to say you don't, that you can't retire from your, from your uh, place of work before you die. But it's to say that as a Christian, our work as a Christian, our service, following Jesus' example of serving one another, we don't get to retire until death. And this is what Jesus is saying. The world is wiser than Christians. The children of light, that's Christians. The world is wiser than Christians because they are preparing for their retirement while we on earth don't plan for our retirement in heaven. You say, why do I need to plan for retirement in heaven, preacher? I mean, I get a mansion and a robe and a crown. That's what the song says. You do. But this is what we have got to understand. There are rewards in heaven that are so great and so wonderful that the Bible doesn't even tell, them what, tell us what they are because we couldn't understand it. We couldn't grasp it. There's no human language for it. And there's these wonderful, awesome things that are waiting for us, but we can only have those rewards if we've planned and lived right here. This is why those that get saved on their deathbed are going to be sorry even though they go to heaven because they will not be in line for the rewards. They'll get heaven, they'll get their robe and crown or whatever they're supposed to get. But they're not going to get these rewards because only those who have planned for their spiritual retirement are going to get these. And the, let me kind of put it this way. This is an exchange you know when you go to a foreign country and you got to take your dollars and turn them to pesos? I don't know what they have in Lesotho. But, but uh, I've been to Mexico. So they're gonna turn the, we're going to turn our dollars into pesos. The way you, we do that spiritually is by serving others here. We are turning earthly money that is junk, unrighteous mammon, and we're exchanging it for treasures beyond imagining. When I was in high school, I had the privilege of going to Mexico with my Spanish class. And so uh, we flew down, and we, and we landed in Cancun, and we weren't uh, staying in Cancun. We were going off to, I can't remember if it's Ushamal or Ishamal or which one it was, but we were going, I think, about two hours through the desert on a tour bus to get to where we were going to be go staying. And so we, we got through customs, and we had to get right on the bus. There was no time to change dollars to pesos. We got on the bus. It's a nice tour bus, and, and uh, the, the guy uh, grabs the microphone, and he goes, bueno, bueno, si. And then he proceeds to tell us that we are going to be on this bus ride for two, three hours. We're going to be going uh, through the hot desert of Mexico. And, uh, but we, when we get there, we'll be getting in our hotels, and, and everything's going to be wonderful over there. And then he tells us, he says, uh, we have uh, up here a cooler with uh, refreshments. We have water, I, I can't remember, we have water and pop, and I, I, I think they're all beverages. And if you'd like them, I think there were six pesos. 
Just these were for sale. So, uh, but none of us had pesos. We had American dollars, single person, 60 people on this bus. None of us had pesos. None of us could purchase those of the barrier. Now, he may have taken American money. Say how much American money? And we'd not be we're new to Mexico, then we not we don't know what a we don't know how many pesos turned turn into a dollar. And the years where it really gets exciting, Trey, the air conditioner broke. And tour bus windows don't roll down. Sixty bodies and a tour bus and the Mexican heat. And no windows coming down. Who glory. <laughs> and we're talking about excitement. Welcome to Mexico. And I want you to know that bus got up to 250 degrees. At least it felt like it. It was hot. It was miserable. And I want you to know I'm so thirsty. I was dying of thirst. And what and I and I knew that just a few feet if I could just uh, just a few feet there was refreshments there but the barrier was I didn't have pesos and I couldn't have it and I got to the place where I just like this man just like this man in our story where I got desperate for the reward of something wet to drink I was desperate. And I said in my heart, I will offer him whatever he wants American for that drink. I will pay him $100 for a can of pop. I said that in my heart. And I'm not kidding when I say that. I would have given him $100 for a can of pop. I was that thirsty. I was that hot. And I made my way up there and I said, I don't have any pesos. We didn't get a chance to exchange. But I'm dying of thirst. And he said, I'm sorry about the air conditioning. He said, here, you can have it for free. Whew, wonderful. He could add $100. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you that story because when we get to heaven, God's already given you a lifetime here of labor and influence and finances and expertise, things that you could give to, in order to exchange it in heaven. But you've got to exchange it here. There's no place to exchange it when you get to heaven. You've already lived your life. And what he, Jesus is saying is, if you want to plan for retirement, your spiritual retirement, you've got to serve here because when you get there, there's not going to be, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't get a chance. Oh, you didn't, oh, you didn't exchange while you were here on earth. You didn't serve here. Well, you know, just go ahead and have one. That's not the way it's going to be, folks. Those rewards... Those riches, and again, I believe, I truly believe that the reason they're not spelled out for us is because we couldn't comprehend or understand them. They're going to be so wonderful and so amazing that we're going to be like I was when I wanted that can of, of pop. I, you're going to say, I wish, I wish I would have exchanged my life and made friends so that I could have had those rewards. Jesus is trying to help us to understand we've got to re plan for retirement.
plan for retirement. But there's something else he wants us to know. And it's this. You are already, right now in your life, revealing your character by how you spend your resources that you are stewarding that God's given you. What's he say? If you're not faithful with very little, God's not going to be able to trust you with much. If you are... God's trying to help us to understand here something. Jesus is trying to help us to... He's using an earthly story to help us... The thing that we can't understand. He's trying to say, your life here is little. Your life here is... is it, it, it's pavement. It's dirty roads. It's... Pardon this, but I think it, this illustrates it the best. It is manure. It has some value. You can put it on the crops. Your life has some value. But it, when compared to what God is offering, what God has, it's just a pile of manure. Some value, yes, but not much. Not much. And what you do, God's given each of you a life. He's given you your ability to labor. He's given you an influence, people that you can, that, that you can stick up for and people that you can uh, talk to and people that, that you can influence for good or for evil. He's given you finances. He's given you expertise, things that you are good at. And if you hold on to those and you don't share them, it reveals your character, just like it did this steward. He was, he was squandering this, his Lord's finances, and what happens? As soon as he realized he was out of a job, he said, I'm going to rip him off. And this is what happens. This is what happens, folks. We, in this world, you'll hear people say it all the time, I wish I had more to give. I wish I had more money that I could give. We pastored, a, we pastored a couple years ago, older couple, and every time we'd visit them, they'd say, oh, I think about these Bible colleges, and I think of these that need money, and I wish we could give to more missionaries, and, and I just wish we could give. But every time we would go to visit them, her husband, who had a great big pension from GM, had a new toy, a new gun, a new four-wheeler, a new... Uh, animal for his farm that was a hobby farm because he kept losing money on it. He had toy after every single, I don't believe there was ever a single time we went out to visit them and we visited them often that he didn't have a brand new toy to show me. Do you know what? God could have dropped a million dollars in their lap and they would not have had enough to give to missions. They would not have had enough money to give to the Bible schools because what God had already entrusted to them, they've revealed their character. Remember that Jesus is standing with his disciples. They're, they're going by the, the, the box where they're, they're putting their offering in and people are like, Ooh, I got a thousand dollars to give to the Lord. Everybody's look here. They put it in. The disciples are, wow, $1,000, that's amazing. So it says, hey, I got $1,500 right here. I, I really love the Lord. And man, the disciples are looking, wow, that's amazing. And here comes this, woman, this old widow woman who hasn't got hardly, she, have, she literally doesn't have two pennies to rub together. She's got two mites. You know what that is? That's a penny cut into four pieces. 
She's got half a penny. Half a penny. She takes that and she quietly, she doesn't tell everybody what she's got because she's embarrassed. And she puts in her two little, little mites, her, her half penny. And Jesus said, she's given more than those other guys because she gave when she didn't have. She gave everything when she had nothing. She's revealed her character. And when we serve other Folks, this is, this is not for me to judge. This isn't for me to say up here, you know, you, uh, did you give enough? Uh, did you, have you given enough finances to the church? Look, I, I don't know anything about who gives what. I don't want to know. I want to know who's not paying their tithe. I want to know. This isn't about me saying, all right, who was here for VBS and who wasn't. It's not about that. This is about God himself doing an inventory on your heart to reveal your character. If you really, really, really believe that you serve God and not money, and serve God and not your own comfort. You serve God and not the things of this world. If that's really true, this is what reveals it. This is a revelation of your character. A revelation of your character. Preacher, does that mean I should take it? I should sell everything I have and take a vow of poverty and live in a cardboard box? No. No, it doesn't mean that. What it means is. You have a nice home? Invite someone over for dinner like we preached last Sunday. You have a nice car? Pick somebody up for church. Well, they got, they're stinky and they're, oh, they got their, they're dirty and they're going to get my... Then you probably love mammon and not God. You got a nice four-wheeler? That's fine. That's wonderful. Do you use it for Jesus? Does he own it? It's not, there's nothing wrong with having things. There's nothing wrong with that you have the newest iPhone or, or, or the newest uh, Android, whatever your favorite is. It's, it's not the thing that's the problem. It's not what I'm preaching about the, this morning. I'm talking about service. I'm talking about are we laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven? Where is our heart really? If our heart's in heaven... If, that's our, if, if, we're, if, if we believe that's our retirement, it should take up more of our thoughts. And it should take up more of our finances. And it should take more of our influence and our expertise. It should take up our, should take up our whole life. Because there's coming a day when we're going to be hot and we're going to be thirsty. We're going to be standing before... We're going to be standing in heaven and we're going to see people who are going to be embracing those they've won for God. People that have served all their lives. And God says, I've got a reward for you that's out of this world. You, you never could have imagined this. It's beyond the scope. And you're going to be looking at it and you're going to say, well, I want one of those. I'm sorry, but you lived your life for yourself. You're a Christian. You're here. And you've got a mansion and you've got a robe and you've got a crown. You're, you're here. You've got good things. But you weren't faithful with your life, and I can't trust you here in heaven with these great gifts. I can't trust you with them. If I'd have known, Lord, if I'd have known, but you did. But you did. I told the story about the unjust steward. I told you that if you... 
If you were going to be a Christian, you ought to be as wise, not cunning, not, not deceitful, not cheating, not thieving, but to be as wise as the people of this world as they plan. You know what? The people of this world, they get, they get their retirement. They get their 10 or 15 years. And that's all they have. And they should work hard for it and they should save for it because that's all they're ever going to get. And one day, they're going to die and they're going to leave all that money behind. One of these days, you're going to die. And your, your house and your property and your finances, it'll be left behind and it's going to do you no good. You're going to leave it here. What if, what if you got a phone call this afternoon and it was reputable. They said, you've won an all-expense-paid trip to France. You're going to get to go to the Eiffel Tower. You're going to get to, where you, everything is paid for, your tickets, everything. And it's reputable. You know what it is. You're excited about it. You get over there. They fly, you bought the tickets, you fly over, you and your, you're there in beautiful Paris. And oh, the, the, you can't wait to go to the art museums and the Eiffel Tower and, and all there is to see. And, uh, and, and if you're me, you want to see all the World War II monuments and, and, and all the exciting things about World War II. I, just, uh, I would just eat that up. But, and I'm so excited. And I get off the plane and I'm, you're, you're, just, you're just buzzing. Never won an all-paid trip before. This is going to be great. You get off the plane, there's a sign. There's a guy holding a sign. It's got your name on it. He's, your, he's there for you. And you're there for him. Oh, boy. You, you make your way over to him. You say who, that you're, you're who you are. And, and, and uh, he's, he says, uh, he says what, a, what, a wonderful, what a wonderful week we have planned for you. you. For the next seven days, you are going to live in the lap of luxury. Every need, every want, everything you ever desired, this week is yours. Wow. And this is what we're going to do. And he pulls out of his, I don't know how, uh, he, out of his pocket, he pulls out a check. And for the bank down the road, you're going to be able to cash it, not a problem. Pulls out a check, $1 million. He says, here's the rules. Here's the rules. You've got one week to spend this million dollars. You may not take any of it home with you. One million dollars. He drives you. He chauffeurs you to the bank. You cash it. You get it great big. I don't know. I don't know what you have a million dollars. You backpack and suitcases, and I don't know what all you got. Carry a million dollars. You carry it out of there. They take you up to your, you know, they've got security there for you because you have won this million, uh, this trip and this, oh, and they take you up and you're in this great, big, beautiful suite that they've provided for you. And you're sitting there, tired, of course, from the jet lag and, and exhaustion, but there you are, this suitcase with a million dollars in it. You've got one week to spend it. One week is all you have. And you can't take any of it home with you. Your mind starts racing. What can I do with a million dollars? What can I buy? What can, well, I've got to be careful because I've I got to be able to take it back on the plane. What, what am I going to do? You start thinking about it. And then that strikes you. A thought... That's a stroke of genius. 
He didn't say, I couldn't mail it home. He said, I couldn't take it back with me. And then you begin to start thinking about, all right, how much do I need? They've already provided this beautiful hotel, this beautiful uh, suite for me. They've already I've got chauffeur service. What do I, and do you know what you're going to start doing? If you're smart, if you're wise, you're going to start saying, you know what, I think I can, you know, I want to have a good trip. You know, I think I might be able to last up $50,000. I think $50,000 is enough for this trip. And you make your way to the bank, and you say, here, I want you to take this, the rest of this money, and I want you to wire it home. And you live on that $50,000, you have a great trip, you have the best trip of your entire life, and you get home, and now you're set up for life. Because you are wise, and you are careful with what you had. This is the story of the unjust servant. The unjust steward, this is the story. God is calling you. He says, this is what I want you to do. He says, I've given you a million dollars. I've given you a life. I've given you all your days and all your hours. I've given you your ability to work. I've given you an influence. I've given you your finances. I've allowed you to be able to work the job that you do. I've given you expertise. There's things that you can do that, that others can benefit from. Some, some know finances, some can help with budgets, some, some do drywall, some, some know how to teach, some know how to do this and that and the other thing. It, you're, I've given you all this, this is what you use to steward, these are your million dollars. You've only got just a short time here on earth. You can't take it with you, it's going to leave it behind here in Paris. You're going to leave it here on earth, you're going to leave it all behind. You can't take any with you, but you can mail it on to heaven. You can how am I going to do it? Take for yourselves mammon, unrighteous mammon, and buy for yourself, friends. Win them to the Lord so that when you fail, when you die, when you die, when you fail, that they will receive you into eternal, eternal habitations. This is the story of service. This is what God's called us to do. Everything that we have we can either use it for our pleasure and for our comfort. Everything that God has given us in this life, we can use it on ourselves in the short week of life we have, or we can send it on to eternity where it can make a difference forever and ever. Let us serve with love. Let us follow Jesus' example of washing feet, of healing, of loving touching the lepers, touching those that others won't touch. Let us follow Jesus' example, his ministry of serving others. This is what was so key about everything that Jesus teaches throughout the Gospels. He's all about serving. He's saying, do this so you can win friends. So that over there, over there, you will enjoy, you'll enjoy retirement. More than you could ever imagine and more than you could ever hope to enjoy it here. Let's stand together.